All right, so today we're picking up where we left off in the moral argument. I, it, I, on some level, I don't want it to take the whole class, right? It's, that's not the design since I'm not necessarily teaching you the argument. I'm showing you where it is. I am kind of showing you how it works as well. So we did the whole with or without you thing. We started the debate. I told you the Super Bowl story, right? We got into free will and the herd instinct thing, right? With Dawkins, we talked about genetic theory. Yeah. And uh, I think we ended class looking at social convention. So before we get on to social convention, with the genetic theory, if, if I, I hope I can do lunch with Dawkins someday. I would love to, honestly. And I'm chatting with him, and he's telling me, no, 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 it's all genes, it's all genes. Where does the conversation end? He believes that there's no morality, right? Morality is basically just cause and effect by our genetic impulses in our environment, right? Why am I not going there? I believe that we have what? Well, an absolute truth, but we have what? The ability to do what? Make choices. Does that make sense? It's free will. No free will. Really, there's no morality. Fair enough? I believe in morality, which allows, sorry, I believe in free will, which allows for there to be real choices, which allows for any type of moral standard to have meaning. Go team. Any questions on that from the weekend? Cool. Did I give you the Google tar, the Google car analogy? How about player piano? The what? Yeah, the player piano where you got the piano playing itself versus someone sitting down and playing the piano. Piano playing itself looks weird, but it, there's no choice in the songs. It just does what it's programmed to do. My daughter sits down and plays the piano. She's connected to the piano, but she's not the piano, and so she's using the piano to play a song. Yes, that's the old metaphor. New metaphor is Google car, Uber car, whatever car you want to use. Driving down the road, it's about to hit a person and it swerves, but hits another person. Who do we blame? Technology. We blame the car. We're going to throw the car in jail? We could, but that looks a little what? Silly, because it's a car that's pre-programmed. So who do we blame? We bring the programmer. And ready, if you want to understand the genetic theory, we're all Google cars with no drivers but no programmer. So who's at fault? Yeah, the programmer would be the genes, but that's not a programmer. You don't blame somebody's genes, although that's what they what? That's what they do. Exactly. They can blame them. Does that make sense? So you guys get that? The theistic model of this is that we're Google cars, we're like we're in a self-driving car, there is cause and effect, but I could also hit the brakes and stop the car. I can override the programming and make a real choice because I'm driving it. Now, am I the car? No, I'm a driver in the car. That's your spirit. Your spirit is not your body, it's in your body, but your body and your spirit are working together to navigate the world. No spirit. No choices. No culpability. Got it? Enough? Okay, cool. Let's keep going then. I think we, I, the bell rang. Without, I'm like, so that's good for you. It's good for me, right? It's <laughs> like, ah. So how do, we, how do we deal with this social convention argument where morality is just what you're taught? 
Morality is the education system. Morality is this culture versus this culture, this country versus this country, and that family does this, and our family does this, and their family does that, and it's just families and rules, whatever, no big deal. People are allowed to do different things. How do we push back against that? Because if that argument is true, then there doesn't necessarily need to be a God for morality, right? There could just be each group has their own morality. Now that goes back to the football story, but how do we get out of this? Thank you for the pen. What do we do? Push back on that. Where does that mentality fall apart? I think I, didn't I drop the one on there like, my dad told me to sleep around with 10 people in college to figure out what's best for me and then I'll pick someone. Well, your dad says to so wait till you get married. That's good for you. This is good for me. How do you, <laughs> we gotta, this is real, isn't it? Oh yeah. A hard one uh, that came up last class. I kind of let students bring it up, but I mean, you know, we're not like slavery. Not cool, right? Like, yeah, but two hundred years. No, no, no. It's what? Has it ever really been good? No, and is it good? You know, will it ever be good? No, but people use the Bible to justify it or say, well, this culture does it. Or look at the production over here. Oh, yeah, all the time. Slavery is what? Enslaving another human being is what? Evil. Not just bad, it's what? Evil. It always has been, always will be. Right? <laughs> uh, I think the, the, the debate on stealing or cheating or lying always, like, you can't imagine teaching kindergartners that betrayal and lying is a good thing. It's good for your relationships and your future marriage. Will that work? Come on, will it work? No. It just won't. It won't work. It, it, lying isn't good. It's something wrong. Now, the problem we get into, though, and this is where you got to watch the debate. What about the clothes I'm wearing? Are they bad clothes or good clothes? Yeah, you're all like, well, to make it. Yeah, I've been waiting for you to ask. You're like, no, that, that's relative. You know, in swimsuits, like, what's this? Or should I kiss before I get married or not? Like, who cares? Like, what, like, we can debate those things, right? So is there morality? I'm going to call it cultural morality. Is there cultural morality that is relative? Yes or no? Yeah, so there, that's what makes this so hard. There are moral things that are relative to culture and family and even time periods. But are there things that are not relative? Yeah. Right? We get that that's how this works, is either there's an objective standard or there's not, but if you can you can debate some of this moral stuff and debate what those morals are, that's not what we're talking about. I don't know if you guys caught that. We're not debating the morality, we're debating what? whether or not there is morality. <laughs> that's, that's the key. So most of the YouTube clips, most of the debates I see, they rattle around in how we treat women and, and this issue and that issue and this moral issue and what about babies and what about sexuality stuff. We, we argue the morality versus really missing the whole point on arguing whether or not there is morality. That's what we're trying to do today. Still not there. We'll get there soon. I know we need to move past this. How do we get out of this? 
Yeah, I know. It's worth spending a few minutes on, isn't it? When the person says that in college. There's a lot of ways to navigate it. I'm going to try and just keep it really focused. We're trying to decide whether or not there's an objective standard, if there is or isn't. C.S. Lewis and his colleagues did a bunch of research. Did I tell you guys about this? The research they did of all the tribes that they could think of and all the th uh, recorded history and all over the planet and all the cultures and all the tribes and all the nations. And guess what they found? Not just Bible, but what they find in humanity and all these tribes. When they looked at their rules, stealing, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Lying, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Murder, thumbs up or thumbs down? All, all of them. It has nothing to do with the, the Ten Commandments. It's just no, 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 no. There was a husband and wife, one. Maybe a wife with two husbands, husband with three wives. But there was never any morality where you could just have sex with anybody you wanted to whenever you wanted to. Did that see what's going on? Like, nope, that's off the table for everybody. You know, I mean, all this type of stuff. Yeah. But couldn't you say that's because most of that stuff is like direct negative uh, consequences to it? Well, let's go there though. So ready? Flip them. They're still around. We're trying to get rid of them, but but try to change the morale, the objective standard of that even beyond just a negative consequence. Like think about it. try to make it so that lying is good. Like it all like lying is a virtue. Will that work? Not in this society, no. No, no, no. It won't work when. Ever. Ever. See, here's the key. If here's here's why I'm saying it is if we change it, that standard for you can just have you can have sex with whoever you want whenever you want to. You're allowed to lie. Not allowed to. You're, it's a virtue to lie. It's a virtue to betray. It's a virtue to just kill and get whatever you want to. If we were to change those things, what actually happens to us? We cease being what? We start acting more like lions. <laughs> you know, like that. See what's going on there? We're not human anymore. Well, then they can do that, but that goes back to we never were human. See what's going on? We're just another animal. We're trying to say that humans have an objective standard that they didn't make up. We're different in those regards. Are we different or not? And if we start changing some of those types of things, we're not us anymore, are we? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that's what's going on here. And I'm going to make that clearer in just a second. I'm going to make sure we know the argument. You got a hand up? Was it from here or was it somebody else it was again? From here. Okay. Well, I'm basically trying to get there is that there there has to be something objective or we lose either what it means to be a human or we lose morality. This starts with do you believe in a real right and wrong? Well, what's going on right now is if you don't believe in objective standard, do you even believe in a real right and wrong? No, that's you don't believe in morality anymore. Fine, remember, fine, you can believe that, but now you what? You know what you're believing, like you're actually believing it. So I'll help you out right here. Everybody, this is what I've done this little thing that I'm about to do with you at Catizo. I've done it at the Starbucks downtown Wheaton, at the old Caribou. Like I have literally across the table had someone get out a pen or a pencil. So do it right now. Get out a pen or a pencil and something to write on. I want you to physically do it. I want you to actually do it. Okay. Ready? Set. 
Just grab anything. Just grab a no. Just do, open a workbook. Just open to a piece of paper. You're not doing a lot. Just something really simple. Okay. Ready. Set. Draw me an inch. Draw an inch. Do it. All right. Draw an inch. Okay. You got it. Okay. Who's got the inch? I got it. Got it. He's got it right here. Is this the inch? That's the inch. Who's got the inch? You all have inches. We all have inches, right? Who's inch? See now, what are you guys doing? Do you have? Who has an inch? Well, you all wrote an inch. Who has the inch? You need what? You need an objective standard that's agreed upon that none of you made. And now we can do what? Actually decide an inch. Otherwise, who's got the inch? Everybody, I love it. Someone said everybody and nobody. Right? You've all got an inch. And so right back there, right? He was like, I got this. Do you? No. Well, no, but do you? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah, he does. His is the inch. And now we all just do what? We use yours. Now, is that, but that, that was made up by who? By this person in the room who's just like who? The rest of you. Why is his inch, why is his inch the inch? Now ready, can people who don't believe in an objective standard come up with morality? Oh yeah, atheists do this all the time. We're like, we like your inch. Great, nice. Right, but, but does that make sense? Like, as humans, we can all agree on a standard. It's just who made it up? He did. So like our country is doing now, which is horrifying, could we just change the standard then? If we don't like yours anymore, could we change it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That that's what that, is there any real inch at that point? No. no, it's just everybody just making up their own inch. Now, here's where a lot of you will think the metaphor falls apart. Because you're like, yeah, but Dominguez, somebody did what? Drew Made this inch, right? And did they? But wait, ready? Real quick. Uh, well, well, here, here's what we gotta, we gotta con keep going with the metaphor. Could we, on planet Earth, change the size of an inch? Yeah, yeah we could. We just have to call all the ruler companies of like, everybody, guess what? New change the settings, and we could change an inch. Now, this is what I was getting at. Is we change an inch, great. Who here plays volleyball? Volleyball? No. What happened, I don't know, how many years ago did they switch the scoring, the rally oh, scoring? Yeah, yeah. Was it I 10, 15? Ten or fifteen years ago, we got volleyball, 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 and then they did what with the rules? <laughs> they actually changed them. So what they had to do at all the volleyball camps that summer, and all the volleyball clinics, and all the volleyball games, and the Olympics, they had to do what? And they they did. And so, ready? Can we do that with like women's clothing? You have to cover your ankle, right? They've used to have like, don't show your ankle, and now we're like, whatever, <laughs> show your ankle. Can we change that stuff? And like we drive on that side of the road, we'll drive. How about speed limit? Can we change that? Yeah. Okay. So ready? We're gonna change stealing. Now stealing is good. Does that work? Lying. Lying is a virtue. See what's going on? Like, this is where you will lose the argument. I'm telling you right now, I've done it. You will lose the argument if you try to debate and say that everything is objective. Is it all objective? 
No, it's, it's really not. There are moral things that are relative. That's why we have all these debates and discussions about morally and what's right. But when someone tries to say that it's all subjective, that's what we're discussing. Fair enough? And I, I'd like to say, if you don't have a standard for yourself personally, no wonder this is so confusing. For me, it's actually pretty straightforward. Heaven. Kingdom of God is my standard. Any slavery in heaven? Uh, nope. How are women treated there? Yep, there we go. Like, done. Any abortion in heaven? I don't think so. Like, go, 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 go. Like, what's the standard? What's the standard? I know I'm getting some big hot topics here, but you see what's going on? Like, what's going on in the kingdom of heaven? That's a standard. Is it happening here? Is it all complex? Yes, it's all complex. But I at least have a what? An objective standard. Now, does anybody catch what's going on on that one? What's my access to the objective standard? It's relative. Got that? You have to go there. And most first period was like, seriously? I'm like, yes, seriously. We have to go there. For me, my access to the objective standard is subjective. But at least there's a what? A standard, and I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to figure it out. And maybe I'm wrong on my perspective of that, but at least I know that I'm what? Trying, right? Uh, uh, that's the key. If some of you really want to go there, some of you are tracking well enough to go here. For God, morality is actually what? Relative. Relative. <laughs> like, what the heck? How crazy is that? He's allowed to make the rules. But that's because he's who? And he's not me. He's other. Can you guys see what happens? Can God make up his own rules? Yeah. He's objective to me, subjective to himself. Guess what the past 200 years have been trying to do with God? Get rid of him. If there's no God to be objective, then we get to do what? Make our own standards. Are we tracking there? Like that's that's worldview. Go team. We good? Okay. If you don't have something that's objective, like kingdom of God or Bible or Jesus's sayings, that's not human. What are, what is your standard? Just you yeah, it's got to be whatever you come up with. And if it's made by a human, welcome to the inch thing. Right? And that's where we just realized you started this whole thing with, I believe in a real morality. But now you're having to say, I don't anymore. See what's going on? See what Lewis does here? Or... You're right, I still do, and now here's why. I'm good. Any questions or thoughts or comments? I'll give you one last tip in the conversation. Macaluso, he was sitting right here, he was great, he nailed this. He's like, yeah, but back in the day, 200 years ago, people were trying to justify certain cultural things. Um, he, he brought up slavery. I brought up, like, in the Bible, subjugation of women or women can't teach or whatever like right like and now we say that we can but isn't that just even a kind of a darwinistic evolution of morality 
you can use that language, but here's the key. I asked him and he got it and we're trying to navigate. Is, are we at a better place than we were? Exactly, See, if there's no standard, then, it does, then there's no better. But if we're gonna say, oh no, no, life is better without you know, slavery, with women being treated fairly, yeah, according to the standard. That's the key, is we're getting closer to this. We're getting closer to a, a way to exist, and as humans, we're not just evolving, we're evolving into something that would be better, but then it's not evolving. We're, we're working towards a goal. A kingdom standard is what I'm gonna call it. What about like abortion? Like, I think a lot of, think, what is it, more than half the people nowadays think that that's like a good thing? Yeah. It's not a good thing. But see, here's the key. Here's the key. That's why I mentioned some of these big target ones. Is if there is no standard against killing fetuses or babies or whatever you plan on calling them, if there's no objective standard, then it's what's going to happen to the debate. We're going to debate whether or not, whether or not, whether or not, whether or not. And see, that's just going to go around and around and around. Either there's a standard or there's not. If there is a standard, let's, do, let's we can talk about what that standard is. Yeah. But if there's no standard, why even have the discussion? It's it's pointless. Yeah. That help? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key is then discussing how well do we understand the standard, and that's where people have real debate. What is the standard? Other thoughts? All right, hey, I'll give you a quick sneak peek here. Um, can't know we don't teach. This is about uh, racism in America. We got a long ways to come. Uh, this guy, Gary Howard, is he wrote a great book. He's doing a great job trying to help us understand how much farther we need to go. Here's the sad thing that the teachers are debating. I'm going to a meeting right after this with Corey Hockett to discuss how do we navigate this. And the worldview piece is, is that this is a guy who used to be a Christian who's chucked it all. But no objective standard. So guess what he spent the last three chapters trying to do? Come up with a subjective reason why we shouldn't have racism. He's worked really hard. I think he's done a really good job. But he had to work so hard to conjure up reasons why we need to treat people with dignity and integrity. But there's no objective stance. It's just really his language and his perspective versus, hey dude, why do you get rid of Imago Dei? Really straightforward. Image of God. We're free beings. No slavery. Like, how hard was that? Not so hard when we have that objective standard. Does that make sense? I respect what he's doing, but it's so intriguing to think how the worldview shapes this. That's the, uh, the abortion debate is so tricky because imagine a theist who believes in a creator debating with a materialist who believes we're all just matter and electricity. Is there even, it's apples and oranges yeah. at that point. There's not even a debate anymore, right? If that would go the same for, then see how your worldview shapes the treatment of women, the slavery issue, all these other types of big issues that should be no-brainers for us. But when the worldview creeps in and we chop out objective standards, no wonder we're all confused down to a point where we vote on morality. Oh, please, God help America. Please, really. All right.
I could keep going and going and going. I, I could tell we're basically ready to move on, right? Keep going. Let's move on. So, ready? Chapter 3. And then this is where it all just like, once we're there, we're there. Chapter 3, the reality of the law. Well, we've got an objective standard now. Great. Is it? Can that objective standard be the natural world? No. Why? Because we're what? We're part of the natural world on some level. So if it's just nature, why are you and I listening to like rocks and trees tell us what to do? When we're part of that same system. It needs to be something what? Other. Thanks. Anybody have a thought on that? Or a question? It's pretty, I mean, you can see like, oh, check. Consequently, right and wrong, whatever you must call it, must be a real thing, not us. Chapter 4. It's page 101. Check out what Lewis does. Page 21 of Mere Christianity. Materialist view. Done. He literally like, I'm done with that. He was that for 17 years. Done. Religious view, which would be the Buddhist Hindu view. Done. Page 22. Uh-uh. It's got to be a mind, not just a state of being. Page 26 through 27, the romantic view is monism. Does that work? Nope. So what did you just do with the other three worldviews in a few pages? Check, 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 check. And he basically says it. You can see where intelligent design came from. Came, came from. Comes from. It must be a being that is intelligent and can decide what these rules are. It must be real. Go team. Questions, thoughts, comments. Chapter four. Yeah, now it's just logic. Dun, 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 dun. We're just, the train is just going to end up at the station. All right. Uh, here's what I'll do a little fun thing. Uh, some of you are going to appreciate it, some of you aren't. But I think this class has caught the fact that we're stuck in the subjectivity of our own being. There's an objective standard, but is there any way for me to verify or prove that it's there? Nope. No, because it's all subjective, right? Guess what Lewis does now? It's hard to explain this, so, so i got to hyper-focus for a second. Our access to that objective standard is through our subjective bodies and minds, right? So the only way we could verify it, something that's outside of us, would be that it also needs to be where? Inside of us, because I at least hopefully trust myself. And ironically, what do we find when we look inside of our bodies? Yeah, a conscience that matches up with the objective truth. But it's also not like... I mean, like I have a sense of right and wrong inside of my body where I can verify it at least, but am I it? No. Check. Did everybody catch that? Kind of cool. Lewis is like, well, that's cool. They're <laughs> like, that's kind of convenient. That the only way I could verify it is within me, but it also needs to be outside of me. But if it was only outside of me, I wouldn't be able to verify it. Good thing it's in both places. Chapter 5. And this is where you go like first, second, this plus this, clarification, other clarification. It follows then that if there is this being, it better be perfectly good. If it's perfectly good, is it going to care about what I do? Yeah. Since it cares and I'm not perfectly good, how are things going? Not good. This is where in evangelism we say you've got to make sure people know that they're sinners, which would basically mean you've got to let people know that they're not God, right? Are we God? Are we perfect? Is God perfect? Does he care? Ah, shoot. Right, done. End of argument. We got there. It's a little black bead, right, that says you're a sinner and you need a savior. Where does the savior part come? Let's book two. 
this is where we end. We need to know that we are in dire, desperate need of help, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And that's where this whole argument ends. There's a God. This God is real. We're not that God. But we're aware that there is this God. Can we see how the people on that remote island who've never had the Bible, they've never heard Jesus' name, are still without excuse? Thanks, C.S. Lewis and Paul the Apostle. Questions, comment? You can see why I don't go on for three or four more days anymore. <laughs> we're, we're good. You know where it is. I've walked you through it. Last exclamation point. Ready? Premise number one. You have a sense of right and wrong? Yeah? Is it real? What should you do? Right. Do you always do it? No, neither do I. Premise number three, if you have a sense of real right and wrong, and you know that it's there, and you should do right, but you don't always do it, where do you get your sense of right and wrong? It better be what? Right. Objective. Because if it's not objective, then your first premise doesn't even work. You don't even believe in a real right and wrong. <gasps> but I do believe in a real right and wrong. You do? Well, then you believe in objective truth. That objective standard better not just be a standard, it better be a being. What kind of a being? A good being? How good? Perfectly good? Is it aware of what we're doing? Yes. With or without you, we're good. Go team. Thanks guys for listening. Nice job. I say we move on to book two. We're <laughs> like, yes, please. <laughs> All right. Book two. Um, go to page 103 in your guidebook. Everybody look at it, if you would. And let's start this conversation. It got a little intense last class period but I've got five or six more minutes in class I think it's a good place to start page 103 of the guidebook what did I title it this means war like what the heck I mean is it like ready it's not me first or second Corinthians chapter 10 Paul says, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who is timid when face to face with you, but bold with you when I'm away. I beg you that when we, sorry, that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. A, K, A. There are two worlds. We got to figure out which standard we're living on. For though we live in the world, we do not wage what? He calls it war. We don't wage war as the world does. This is not an extremist Christianity training, training camp. But although do those exist, and do they exist with other religion? Yeah. It's the language sounds like it. Paul's very clear. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. And I gave you a list of weapons like love, honor, grace, truth, forgiveness, paradox, God's word, joy, faith, logic, reason, metaphor, we got powerful weapons of truth. And look what he says we're supposed to do. I want you to circle this. They have divine power to demolish. What does demolish mean? Destroy. Strongholds. We demolish what? Arguments. No mercy. And every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take, a cap we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Here's where I, I will do my best to not offend anybody here. But what did Paul just give us permission to do with anything that goes against Christ? Demolish. Demolish. 
their argument. This is where, you know, we did the whole worldview thing with truth and honor and grace. We're still doing that. We really are. But things that come against the truth, what are we going to do with it? We're going to destroy it. We're going to demolish the argument. Kind of no mercy. What's the problem? If I'm talking with someone at Catizo and they have an argument against Christ, and like Lewis and like Paul, I've learned to destroy their argument. What do I have to be careful not to do? Destroy, destroy them. Why is that really hard? People's ego. There's ego, yes, so that's huge. What else? Your argument against something is closely attached to what? You! <laughs> and so if I'm not very loving and very careful with the person I'm talking to, they may confuse me destroying their arguments against God into destroying them. Even if I am careful, what often happens? People still feel destroyed. Fair enough? Got to do the best you can. This is why we have to be loving. We have to be kind. We have to be gentle. So that people can see the difference between their argument against God and themselves. It's hard. I want you guys to catch this. We demolish strongholds. If I were to Google, I used to do this, but if I were to Google stronghold and then hit images, what would show up on the screen? Forts and castles, big walls, right? The next two weeks of class, really the next six weeks, the next two weeks, my job to do what with anything, any stronghold that you have against Christianity? What's my job, actually? Destroy it. What kind of strongholds are out there? Well, some of you have spiritual strongholds. You have believed a lie about God, about the Bible, about Christianity. You've believed a lie, and you put a fortress up, and you're like, I want nothing to do with this. Understandable that you built your little fortress, but it's time to tear that down. I hope you'll be willing. Some of you have emotional fortresses up. Some jerk out there really hurt you, and they were a Christian. And so you're like, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And you've put up a what? A stronghold. It's like, wait a second. If that's against Christ, Paul says, wait, we need to destroy, demolish the pretension or the argument that you have created against God. Some of you have worked really hard for years as a teenager, maybe even younger, to build up an intellectual case against believing the Bible and against trusting Jesus. You've worked hard on that intellectual stronghold. And maybe you've got iron fortresses, and then you've got a moat, and then you've got like archers, and you've got your big stronghold against your argument against God. I hope you bring it to the table. I really do, otherwise you're missing your chance. But, but actually, the end goal in the next couple weeks is to destroy that argument against God. And some of you are like, I don't have any arguments against God. I like God. Great. You're probably going to bump into someone who does. So let's talk about this. Lewis does a fabulous job destroying arguments against Christianity. He really does. It's, it's excellent. He does it with wit. He's super intelligent. And actually, part of the next two weeks is if you want to be a Christian, guess what? You're allowed to be super smart. It's okay. 
watch out for the people who say that they're not, right? Um, before we go, it says that uh, demolish arguments, pretensions, and strongholds. I also want to challenge you. Jesus says he came to set captives and prisoners free. That's Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to release the captives and the prisoners. Some of you have been snatched. Whoa. <laughs> You've been made captive. The enemy has grabbed you. You're trapped in a situation, and you feel trapped because you've been snatched, right? Christ has set you free, but you may not believe that until you might feel like you're still trapped. I'm hoping the next six weeks you will find freedom from whatever you feel trapped in. But this last one is a prisoner. Some of you are prisoners to the enemy. You've partnered with the enemy. You have consequences of that, and you've been made a prisoner. Christ says he came to set prisoners free. You're like, none of us are in jail. I get that. But to be imprisoned, what does that look like? And I think the way to frame it is, where have you locked yourself out of the freedom that comes with trusting Christ and trusting Scripture? Uh, when it comes to prisoners, unlike Joseph, who was stuck in jail with a locked, most of us, when it comes to believing in Christ, we've locked ourselves in a prison, and we still have the keys. How do we get out? You, you have the keys to getting yourself out. That's where we're going tomorrow, Friday, maybe Monday. We'll see how, how long it takes, all right? Take care. Come with your best arguments. Let's do it. See you guys. <laughs>